oftentimes, I'm sure this is true for you guys, that um, someone asks, like, for example, if Ruth and I are meeting some new people, they might say something like, how did you meet? You know, and at this point in my life, I want to say, like, where do you want to begin? I mean, how much of the story do you really want to know, you know? Um, so 36 years of being a minister, um, this story has come up every year, all right? I mean, every year. Um, now, that, that doesn't mean I preached every year, but not only that, the, the transfiguration story, we have a separate feast day for that, is August the 6th. So add that to the, to the whole thing. There's a lot in this text. And I realize that every one of you here haven't spent the last three weeks in preparing for this sermon and reading that text. I know that, okay? So I want to pull just a couple of things out of it um, as takeaways. But before I do, I just want to unpack it a little bit. Is that good? You all good with that? All right, let's bow our heads. Lord God, uh, what an amazing uh, word that um, I heard this morning in, in the psalm, that you are a forgiving God. That's amazing to me, and, and that you come among us, and uh, you desire to be with us, and, and you like us, Lord. That's just truly amazing. And so we come, Lord, with that knowledge, and we ask you now just to open our eyes and our ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, four things. You, you know this. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels climax at the death and resurrection, and really the, the commissioning after that, all right, before he ascends. All four of them do that. Um, three of the Gospels, which are called the synoptic, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have this story of the transfiguration, all right? So that's just, I know that doesn't exactly just draw you into the presence of God, that knowledge, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway, all right? So that's good to know, though. So if you ever want to do some reading, um, anytime there's a story in one place and you can kind of read the comparable story in another, it's good to do that. And so I did. I read all three and saw a little bit of the different nuances in that. Um, it, it's an amazing story. And, and let me say a couple other things about it. For whatever reason, well, I do know the reason, the go, those who founded our lectionary, that lectionary is that Sunday group of readings that we read every single year. And the only change, well, the change we have is in a three-year cycle. So we try to put other stuff in there. But all three Gospels are read, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're in Matthew right now. And so this story shows up every year on the last Sunday of Epiphany. All right? So they were thinking something there. I mean, there, there was a reason for that. Because next Sunday is first Sunday of Lent. Um, the transfiguration, if you will, makes a pivot in, in the life of Jesus, according to the Synoptic Gospels. Most of his ministry had been done in the Galilee. It sure he'd been to Jerusalem. But now Luke says his face was focused on Jerusalem. So there's a pivot here. And they're about to move to Jerusalem for his, you know, for his crucifixion and his resurrection. Um, just like for us, We've just finished the great feast of Christmas. We've been through Epiphany, and now we're about to pivot, and we're about to move towards Lent, um, towards the Easter resurrection when we raise the Hallelujah banner, all right? What is that journey about? Um, it's about remembering the Lord's life, all right? So I want to unpack it with a little bit of that. Um, this amazing living encounter with a transfigured Jesus um, Talking with Moses and Elijah, that right there, you know, that, what is that about? 
talking with Moses and Elijah, um, reveals Jesus as a fulfillment of what God has been doing through the law and the prophet and points to his death and his resurrection, which will fulfill the law and the prophets. All right? So we're moving from all that Moses and Elijah had represented to Jesus, and when they disappeared, who was there? Jesus alone. And he's pointing to his death and resurrection, which fulfills every promise God had for us. That, guys, that is a... That is a full semester class that we're not going to get into today. But just know that that's one of the things this is about. And what I want to say this morning, that I was just caught up with this, what's up with Peter, John, and James? I mean, why were they the only ones there? What, what is God doing in this story that shows up in all three of the Gospels? Um, so here are my thoughts on that, all right? Number one, I got taken a little bit by Moses and Elijah um, and my little kind of simple funny mind at times, my off-color mind. Um, I said, what did they really have to say to Jesus? The scripture said they were talking to Jesus. In Luke's gospel, it says they were talking about his departure, which he was to accomplish at Jerusalem. The old King James, the word departure there is decease. They were talking about his decease that he was accomplished at Jerusalem. Um, the word there is exodus. So they, what did they have to say to Jesus, who we believe is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, whose death is totally different than theirs? It's like someone trying to say, I know your experience, and they've never even come close to experiencing them. So um, I just did a little looking, all right? And here's some scriptures you can remember. Um, Deuteronomy 34 and 2 Kings chapter 1. Remember those two. So let me just go to Deuteronomy 34. You might know this. Um, so Moses, um, here I am in 34 verse 4. And the Lord had taken Moses upon the mountain, and he said, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to your offspring, and I've let you see it with your own eyes. So God took Moses up on a mountain and let him see everything that he had done in his life and what he was all about. And then it said, and I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Boyor. But no, wait a minute, excuse me, that's the most important part. Um, and he died there, and the Lord buried him. Isn't that amazing? And the Lord buried Moses um, in the valley of the land of Moab, and but no one knows the place of his burial. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. Um, that's a pretty sweet death. You know? Um, totally opposite what Jesus experienced, right? 33, beat, spit upon. So then I just said, well, let's see about old Elijah, you know? Um, Guys, this is what y'all are paying me for. Isn't this amazing? I, I get to spend all week reading and praying this stuff. Gosh, you know, just a little side. You know, the generosity of God's people is amazing. We told Gabe that in his ordination. There's no way we could ever repay all that the people of God had done for me. Raised my family, fed them, clothed them, housed them, sent them to school. Um, so thank you. That's one of that's not in my notes. So, so Elijah, um, much like, well, one more, let me back up one more time. Excuse me, I'm 
totally left us, get, got caught up in that. Um, so when Moses died, what happened to the, the work he was doing? Verse 9 of that 34th chapter says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. Isn't that beautiful? So Moses, what? Passed on, if you will, the work um, that he had done to Joshua. Joshua passed it on and on and on. And probably the last point I'm going to make, I'm only going to make two, um, is that we will never finish the work that God has us to do. Doesn't mean we don't be faithful to it, but we're always passing it on to someone else. So think about that. So now Elijah. So here we have over in 2 Kings, the first chapter, excuse me, second chapter, there's Elijah. Um, and he's about, it says, for open of the chapter. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. All right, and then you read through that chapter, you get down about verse 9. When they had crossed, Elisha said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Um, and it was. And he saw Elijah raised up into the whirlwind. Um, pretty sweet death. I mean, never even died. Um, but Elisha carried on the work. Um, the work God has for us to do um, is going to be passed on. There's just no doubt about it. So what about Jesus? What was going on with Jesus there? So Moses and Elijah, so here are my two points. You ready? Number one, I started thinking about Moses and Elijah, um, what they were talking to Jesus about. Um, I just can't imagine anything they could say. But I can imagine they were just in awe and wonder um, at who he was. I mean, cynically, they might have said, you know, finish well, Jesus. No, I doubt they said that. No. Maybe he told them. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe he said, this is what it's going to look like. Um, and I just want to say this. As we move towards Lent, um, let's not lose sight of how God dealt and deals with this incredible pain and suffering of our world. God, this is, this is the gospel. Don't tell anyone he told Peter, James, and John until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Um, let's not lose sight of the incredible pain and suffering of the world and how God chose to deal with it. And what did he do? He took on humanity, you know. Our Orthodox faith, I know the scriptures say he became flesh, but it's really he took on flesh. He, he took on humanity into himself, everything that that represents. Our suffering, our pain, our joy, our life, our struggles, just everything. He took it on to himself, and he raised it up, um, Let's not lose sight of that. And so I think perhaps Moses and Elijah went, oh, and they worshiped. And it evokes nothing short of worship and humility and love. How many of you have heard what's going on up in, up in Kentucky? How does that, anybody? Raise your hand if you have not heard what's going on. Come on, be honest with me. There's this big, you know, this revival going on. I think it's amazing. You know how it starts? It started with confession. That's how it started. It didn't start with, Lord, I am just doing so great. Just fill me with the Spirit. No, it's, Lord, I need more of you. I hunger for you. My life's a mess. 
The things around me are confusing. I need more of you, Lord. That's how it started. You know, when Peter preached at Pentecost, they cried out, what must we do? And what he said, repent, return to the Lord and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Last week, or excuse me, it was Dave's ordination. And we read the story of Isaiah chapter six. He was in the presence of God. And what did he do? He fell down. And he said, Lord, what was me? I'm a man on clean lips. And God anointed him and filled him. Let's not lose sight. It's the death and resurrection. And let's humble ourselves before him. And it should invoke nothing but wonder and worship, humility and love. Amen? So that was point one. Point two, I want to read to you. Um, well, I'm gonna, first of all, I just was back reading um, between services, and I had missed this in Luke's gospel. In the ninth chapter of Luke, he tells the same story of, um, of the transfiguration, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but at the very end of it, it says this. Um, he tells a story, and then at the very end, he said, And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Did you pick up the difference of that? The difference was Jesus said, don't tell anyone until the Son of Man is raised. Here, Luke writes, and they kept silence and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. That just really moved y'all. Well, what touched me about that is kind of hindsight, if you will, kind of maybe our perspective, because they didn't. And so as I was reading over in First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, Peter tells the story, and this is what he says. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and we were with him on the mountain when we saw his majestic glory, and we heard the voice, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice um, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. And then down at the very end, he said, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I, I love that. You know, I think about being filled. I think about being you know, anointed. I think oh but carried along. Isn't that really what it's about? Um, if we really think about it, um, about our life in Christ, we all know that it's lived out by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the things of God that we're called to do, we can't do without the Holy Spirit. We could do a lot of things without the Holy Spirit, but the things God has called us to do um, requires the Holy Spirit, does it not? Um, because Jesus died and rose again, Heaven has been broken wide open for us. Amen. Um, two, two days ago, I received this in the mail. It was supposed to come before Gabe's ordination and before our confirmation last week. Um, and it's from the diocese. Um, and they just wrote us a prayer. And this is what they said. I won't read the whole thing. Um, we have prayed for you and we pray for a joyous visitation and for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on you. Isn't that interesting? Um, I'd already done the sermon. Um, God wants to carry us along to, to do this work. So my closing remark is this. The work we've been given to do in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will not be completed in our life. I was talking with my son, Sam, yesterday, and he's here, by the way. 
Can you see him? Um, and um, we're doing a little work in our, one of our bathrooms, and I'm trying to save some money, so I did a bunch of the tearing out stuff, and, and we hired the contractor to come over, and I'll just shorten the story. He said, you've done enough, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to do the rest. You know, the work that we begin, someone else is going to do. And I believe that about every one of us. It was true for Jesus. He began that process of passing on this amazing work of the gospel to his disciples. Why? Why didn't he just finish it? But he didn't. Um, That's his plan. It's your plan. Um, So what work are you passing on? What legacy are you leaving? Who are you laying your hands on saying, come Holy Spirit, you know, Fill this life with all that it needs. Let's bow our heads. I have a prayer for us. Uh, Lord God, we, uh, we come today and uh, we're just overjoyed uh, by your presence among us, but we're also overwhelmed at times by uh, the world around us. And we see glimmers of of your kingdom breaking in and we desire more and more of that. And sometimes we wish, Lord, why is this not going on in my life? And why is my life such a mess? But we've got to trust you, Lord, and let's trust the work you're doing around us. So come Holy Spirit and fill us today to love this world, which you love to, care for this world as you care, to be a blessing to this world as you are a blessing. And let us never, ever lose hope and trust in you. Amen.